Chapter Eight of Priests on Horseback, Father Farmer, seventeen twenty to seventeen eighty six, by Eva K. Betts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Eight Greta Makes a Decision. Determined now to face things as they are, Greta found life much easier. She was still not pleased at being an indentured girl in Philadelphia when she had expected to be a housewife in New Jersey. But that was the way things were. She was indentured. She was in Philadelphia, and likely to be there for some time. So, as Father Harding had suggested, she would learn all she could. She was busy one April morning, carefully picking apart the covering which had been removed from the chairs in the drawing-room. New material had been bought, and one of the indentured men, who had been an upholsterer, in his old country, was busy recovering the chairs. The old material was of fine quality, and Mrs. Bridge had directed that it be raveled, and the thread wound on bobbins. "'It will make material for a handsome gown, Greta,' she said. "'You must learn never to waste anything. Use it up, wear it out, make it do, do without. That is an excellent motto for a housewife.' If I had as much money as she has, I'd buy new cloth for my gowns instead of using up old chair seats, thought Greta irritably. She disliked the task, found it foolish and tedious, and went at it with very bad grace. The result was that she kept breaking the threads and having to splice them. Once again Father Harding's words came to her rescue. Face things as they are. It was her task, she reminded herself, to ravel the cloth and wind the thread on bobbins. If she went at it with a little more calm and serenity, she wouldn't break the thread so often. Doing the task properly would really be easier in the end. She drew a deep breath, settled herself more comfortably in the chair, and soon the bobbins were filled nicely. Hmm, I see you've learned something. Mrs. Bridge's voice broke a long silence. Ma'am? You didn't like the task I set you, so you did it badly, but you learned that it was certainly harder to do a thing wrong than right. Many a housewife's tasks are boring if she lets them be so. Greta picked away in silence, finding pleasure in getting longer and longer unbroken threads. The cloth was really a lovely shade, something like the color of wild roses. Woven in stripes with white or deep blue, it would make a lovely gown. Perhaps some day Sebastian would buy just such cloth for a gown for her. Greta, go to the dairy for a pitcher of buttermilk. I think I will drink some. Few of the colonists made butter, and those who did used the buttermilk in other ways, either fattened special pigs with it or sold it to ladies of quality to smooth on their faces as a beauty preparation. But as Greta had already learned, at the Bridges house many things were done differently. She carefully laid down the cloth she was raveling, draping the thread over a chair back so it would not tangle or break. Then she hurried out to find Selma, the dairymaid. Selma and John Ridley, both indentured, were talking together. Greta had not waited to put on the wooden pattens usually worn outdoors, and her cloth-soled shoes made no noise. So although she had no intention of sneaking up on them, she was almost beside Selma and John before they were aware of her. They sprang apart, fright and anger on both faces. "'Oh, Miss Tootagood for the rest of us. I suppose you came spying.' Well, how do you like it? I'm not. I never said I was. Like what? 
Poor Greta was completely confused by the unexpected attack. Like you heard, of course. But I heard nothing. Oh, no, you heard nothing. You didn't hear me telling John my plan to. Gently, Selma, John broke in. She may be telling the truth. Did you really hear nothing, Greta? Honestly, I didn't realize that without my patents you couldn't hear me. I had no desire to find out any secrets. Then what are you doing here? You don't work in the dairy. Nor will I much longer. The last was whispered so low that Greta was not sure she heard it. I came for a pitcher of buttermilk for Mrs. Bridge. And, honestly, please believe me, I heard nothing of what you were saying. Selma studied her face for a moment. It was an innocent, honest, and, at the moment, a deeply distressed young face. Give me the pitcher, she said at last, and I'll fill it, though I why anyone should want to drink this nasty stuff. I can't imagine. When I'm married... She stopped suddenly. Greta, are you going to be married? she asked. That is why I came to this country, said Greta, her eyes filling with tears. Then she briefly outlined her story. Selma remained silent a moment. Then she looked questioningly at John. He simply shrugged, turned, and left the dairy. I'm going to tell you my secret, Greta, but you must swear not to tell anyone, said Selma at last. You mustn't feel you have to tell me, and suppose somebody asked me about whatever the secret is. I wouldn't lie, Selma. I couldn't do that. Perhaps no one will have a chance to ask you. Perhaps you won't be here. Perhaps you'll be in New Jersey with your Sebastian. With Sebastian? Greta's face was bright with joy. How could that be? It can be arranged, but don't glow like that. You'll give everything away. Look glum, or at least solemn. But to see Sebastian, Greta gulped, you're teasing me, and I don't think that's kind. I'm indentured for five years. And I for seven, but I won't be here. I won't be here seven more days, nor much more than seven hours, and you need not be either. But be still and listen. You can't stay here much longer, or Mrs. Bridge will be out looking for you. Now pay attention. Tomorrow morning, about an hour before dawn, we will slip out of the house. We couldn't run far. We would soon be caught. Ye won't run any place. Robert Haver, the man I am going to marry, will be behind that clump of trees, mounted on a good fast horse he has borrowed. He works at the cedar mines in New Jersey, and has a place, a little house, ready for me. I am sure his horse can carry three, or at least to the ferry. Once across the Delaware, you will have time and can make your way to... Sebastian! But I don't even know exactly where he lives. And anyway, won't the ferryman? Not Patrick. He asks no questions and answers few. But, Selma... Don't waste time with butts. Take the pitcher and get into the house. And don't go to sleep tonight. We can't wait for you if you're not ready, you know. Greta took the pitcher and hurried in with it. Her mind was in a turmoil as she filled the pewter mug. "'You may take some, Greta,' said Mrs. Bridge, accepting the mug. "'No, thank you, ma'am.' Greta set to work again, raveling the cloth and winding the thread. Her fingers knew their duty now, so her mind could drift. But somehow, as she thought, she seemed to dwell less on Sebastian and more on the day she landed. The captain of her ship had been so unpleasant. She had been terrified— then Mr. Bridge stepped up, paid her fare, took her to his home. It would be wrong, surely, to repay his kindness by running away. 
Sebastian was honest. Would he welcome her if she ran away from here and went to him? Could she run away? Would she ever be happy if she did? Mr. Bridge had paid her passage. She owed him for it and must work it out. She knew that she must stay, and having come to that decision, felt relieved. The next morning started as usual. It was nearly seven before anyone discovered that someone was missing. "'Have notices printed,' ordered Mr. Bridge, "'and put in the Gazette. Offer five dollars reward. Ungrateful girl.' There were whisperings in corners, consultations on the stairs. The other indentured servants were annoyed because Selma's escape would make things difficult for them, both because others would have to do her work, and because they would be watched very closely from now on. Fortunately, no one asked Greta if she knew anything about Selma. As the days passed, she tried to put all ideas of running away to join Sebastian out of her head. She repeated to herself that Mr. Bridge had paid her passage, or what the captain had demanded for her passage, for she was sure that she paid the bill in full before she left Europe. But the fact remained that the captain had demanded more, and that Mr. Bridge had paid it, and so had bought her time for five years. It would be cheating him to run away, and most ungrateful, too. She had a good home, a warm room and enough food, and, now that she had become accustomed to their abrupt, almost gruff manner of speech, she knew that she was living with people who were kind at heart and interested in her welfare. So she determined to follow Follow Harding's advice and be a good servant, to learn all she could in preparation for the time when she would be mistress of her own home. This morning, Greta, we will start hatchling the flax. It has been well beetled, so it will be nice to handle. Beetled? Greta was startled and began searching the bundles of flax for insects. Yes, of course, beetled, or perhaps you call it by another name. I wouldn't know what I call it, if anything, because I don't know what it is answered Greta. When we want especially fine flax, we have it put in a trowel and pound it well with a bettle until it is soft and good to work with. Have you ever hatched flax? No, Mrs. Bridge, I have not. How fortunate it is that you came here before you married that poor young man, Mrs. Bridge exclaimed. Now watch carefully how I do this. Mrs. Bridge took a bundle of the flax, dampened it slightly, and drew it firmly across a board from the center of which stood a forest of nail-like bits of iron. These teeth separated the flax into strands, long filaments which Mrs. Bridge carefully laid to one side. This toe that is left, the slinty substance, we do not use for thread, said Mrs. Bridge. Now you try this bunch. But there is so little flax from that large bunch. It looks like very little, but it will make a great deal of thread, Mrs. Bridge assured her. Now you hatch all this bunch. She handed a handful of flax to Greta, who started to lay it on the hatchel. No, no, you didn't watch me. It must be dampened before you put it on. Dampened. Greta flushed. She dampened the flax and set it down. Gently, gently. You'll ruin it if you bang it down like that. You have a handful of short threads and fuzz. Ease it on, ease it on. I do wish she wouldn't say everything twice, thought Greta, as she eased the flax onto the hatchel. Now draw it through carefully, carefully. Biting her tongue to keep it silent, Greta drew the flax across the board slowly and carefully. Not bad, not bad at all, said Mrs. Bridge. At least she varied it a little that time, thought Greta. She didn't exactly echo herself. 
As they worked on the flax, a voice drifted in from the street on which the house faced. New wheels, good wheels, wheels to mend. The wheelwright, how timely, exclaimed Mrs. Bridge. Go quickly, Greta, and tell him that I wish to see him. Greta hurried out and returned promptly with the man at her heels. He pulled off his cap when he saw that the lady of the house was in the yard. Come, my good man, and look at my flax wheel. See if you can repair it. Why does she need it repaired? thought Greta rather crossly, as she brushed her picked, sticky hands. Her linen closet is filled. I wish I might hope even to have half as much. She thought longingly of Sebastian and the home they would share. Then suddenly she smiled, rather proud of herself, because she realized that she could think of Sebastian without being tempted to run away to him. I'm really learning to be a grown woman, she assured herself. Well, it's nice to see you so happy, you whatever your name is. Greta, who had not heard Mr. Bridge approaching, jumped a little and gasped. Sorry, didn't mean to startle you. Where's Mrs. Bridge? Indoors with the wheelwright, sir. Hope she finishes soon. I heard strange news today when I talked with Mr. Harding. Mr. Bridge paused and studied Greta solemnly for a moment. You happy here, girl? Yes, sir. Greta was interested to realize that her answer was truthful. She had certainly not expected ever to be happy so long as she remained indentured. Learning to be useful, to be a good housewife? I hope so, sir. Greta wondered what the point of this questioning might be, but then she decided that Mr. Bridge was just filling in the time until his wife should be free. As soon as the wheelwright left, Mr. Bridge went in, and when, a few moments later, Greta followed. She felt that both Mr. and Mrs. Bridge looked at her very strangely. Her conscience was clear, but she was disturbed, and when she got to bed at last, she lay awake for a long time wondering. It seemed as if the news Mr. Bridge had mentioned in some way concerned her, but she could not imagine what it might be. She knew he had talked with Father Harding about the sea captain who was to bring in indentured men, but she was already indentured. It was all very mixed up, and she was very tired. End of chapter 8 Recording by Maria Therese